You said it earlier, speed. Is it better to sit here and try and paint the perfect picture or build the perfect product? Or is it best to get it good, launch it, get feedback from your target audience or whoever's using it, and then make adjustments off their feedback? lover of words and so i visited webster no miriam webster online to see what the definition of a mistake is so a mistake as a noun a is a is a wrong judgment okay i'll take so that it, you know when we speak about judgment often judgment is based on gut and maybe substantiated with facts but if we lean too much to our gut and always keep trusting our gut, sometimes our guts can mislead us. When we look at mistake as a verb, the first definition is to blunder the choice of. So the, the important word there is choice. We often have choices. And as business owners, we are called to make choices more than the average person, I would dare say. Every day, all day. And so we can't, as business owners, not make a choice for fear of making a mistake. We just got to make the choice. If we make the mistake, we just have to correct it and keep on moving. Um, the second definition is to misunderstand the meaning or intention of, right? And so sometimes when it comes to the hiring process, we have people who come to us and it seems like their intentions are straightforward. Their intentions are pure. Why else would they apply to our company unless they want to work check. here? Some people, some people don't want to work here. Some, some people don't, don't want to work. They just want a check. They want the money. Some there's people a, just want to be able to check a box that, but and you say, don't know. I apply for a job, so keep giving me a check. But you don't know until you hire them. Some people, let's, um, you hire some fast. people are moles. Hire, fire fast. If we were on the A train going downtown and you got people sitting in the wrong seats, they're not performing the right tasks. Or maybe they really don't belong on the A train. They really belong on the uptown number four going local. So that's what the real thing is, having the right people on the team and then making sure they're in the right place. And if they're not, then figuring something out really quick. I got faster. Some people come here from other companies trying to get all in the business. I don't whatever. know what for what. Whatever. Whatever. There ain't no, ain't no secret sauce here. And then the third definition of mistake is to identify wrongly, confuse with another. Right? So that person that was well-dressed, smelling good, looking good, that you thought was going to be the best team member ever, you confuse them because they was actually that buster that only left the house by, 10 minutes before it was I don't go by that all the time. I'm just saying. Give, like me, that's, you, give how, me an example. How do you dress it? Just, well, I hear you. I'm just saying. It's one part of it. So what mistakes did you make? So this year? is not a mistake I made this year, but it was a mistake I made in the past. We've had clients who kind of been delinquent and paying, and we give them the benefit of the doubt, even though I'm the first person to say that benefits must be earned, right? And so we've given them the benefit of a doubt when they didn't pay 30 days and 60 days. We call, oh, oh, we're working on it. We're working on it. We got a client now. <laughs> we're doing a lot of business with them. We get a lot in security. One of the metrics is billable hours. We do a lot of billable hours with this particular client right now. About 15% of our business is with this one client. But they're different representatives that we have to talk to. And they got a couple of outstanding bills. And so I'll call the different representatives and they'll be like, oh, I submitted the invoice, but it's a new person. I don't know who it is. Bruh. Sounds like from what you described there is a good use of the technology 
to connect someone to an operator, but the, the technology is not handing off the information to the operator because the operator shouldn't have to ask you, what are you calling about? Because when you chose that option, it should have queued up to the operator to say, hey, she's calling about workforce development. By the time you get to the operator, it's all downhill from there. So mistake is you give them too much runway on. Right. So either we're going to have to cut the service or. So how do you fix it? How do we fix it? Because if we're talking about mistakes we've made and then how you fix it, that's what you asked me. Right. So what we're doing to fix it is we have Miss Elsie, a.k.a. our office pit bull, who is not hesitant in having difficult conversations with clients. Yeah, she sent it like. Yo, email everybody needs a Miss Elsie. If you want to borrow Miss Elsie, you can send me like, you cash out me $500 and I'll let you borrow her once a month. She's good. She's real good. Like she put one client on blast earlier this week. She was like, I don't understand. I emailed, I called you, I talked to you last week. We worked for you several months ago. Like, why aren't you being professional about it and sending us our money? I don't hate to turn this over to collections. I tell you what, there was a check in the mail yesterday. And... So what's the beauty of it is Miss Elsie, she's like somebody's Puerto, she is somebody's Puerto Rican grandmother. And so she's so polite and professional with it at the same time. We're just having a conversation. If we tried to send an email like that, people would cuss us out, even though they owe us the money. Um, so just being mindful when bills are due, get Miss Elsie on it, following up, calling, send an email, and then um, when need be, if they don't respond, cutting off the services. Okay. So what's next? You tell me, what's another mistake you made? Like, how did, what's another mistake? That's a big mistake. Okay. Because then, when we didn't get paid in time, it, it impacted our overall cash flow. So what we, well, so what do you plan on doing differently? Well, if we're talking about that particular mistake, what do you plan on doing differently in the future, 2021, 2025, to prevent that from happening again? So what I've done is I've reached out to some of the, um, some of the municipal people, the people in city government who can potentially help process payments sooner um, so that they, they can be on alert that we have this issue and that they will understand that when the service is stopped, it's not our fault, it's their fault. Because what, what big organizations will often do is they want to test your financial viability at the same time they will stretch your financial viability and make it difficult for you to do business and give you terms that they wouldn't give to the most desirable. What, what does that mean? Testing my financial viability. What, the, what is, what, what, what does that mean? Like when I say, what does it mean? What does it mean that uh, some, you said a big firm will, will want to test the smaller right. firms. So in their, vet, in their vetting process, right? Cause if you say, for example, so not want, paying me on time is testing my fight. Well, no, that's not what I was going to say. Okay, go. I said they'll test you and then they'll stretch you. So, for example, say that you want to get a McDonald's supply chain. Not that you want to do business with the McDonald's on the corner by your house. Not that drive through. I, I might want to do that. But say that and you're I'll trying tell you to, why instead of the supply chain. But go ahead. Say that you're trying to get into McDonald's corporate supply chain. And maybe okay. even in some of the individual stores. They'll have you fill out volumes of paperwork. They'll do reference checks. That you know, Like, even just the paperwork in and of itself is a deterrent. you. Right. It's a deterrent to many small businesses even trying to do business or to ask for a certificate of insurance. If you don't have no real insurance, you're not going to send that to McDonald's. And then McDonald's will be like, oh, thank you. You don't meet our criteria. But, and 
I'm sure that when it comes to the larger players, they don't have that same. Of course not. The same standards. I mean, they might say, oh, well, they're a big business. We know that their finances are in order. Of course not. But like, but actually, have, we'll actually, a lot of times they aren't. We'll see documentation. Like we, we had a, um, a, a contract draft that's still in draft form where the, the prospective client was like, oh, you have to have at least four times the the um four times the payroll in your operating account at all times. What are you gonna ask for bank statements to prove it? I'm like, what? Because I ain't giving you my bank statement. Like that's very personal. That's like almost asking me what size bra I wear. Get out of my business. Don't don't go there. Right? You want to know that I have enough money? If you pay me enough, then I'll have enough. Just pay me on time. That's all you got to worry about because your money will cover the payroll for your site if you pay me on time. Let me tell you, if you come to myself or one of, or Johnson or one of our associates or colleagues or you come to our, our, our angel investor group and you say, well, my business does 300000 and we're looking to get investment of 5% of, you know, we're giving up 5%, 10%, whatever it is, and you want the money. The first thing I'm going to be like is I want to see your books. But see, people need to understand, and that goes back to the mistake, making the mistake of working with the same type of clients who don't respect your finances, but they want you to respect the services you deliver to them. So they'll be quick to put in a contract, you need to indemnify them. Or if you're delinquent with something or you don't perform your duties right, they get liquidated damages. But when you want to put that in the contract about them paying you on time, they're like, no, 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 we don't, you don't have to put a late fee in there because we pay on time. No, you don't. Because I had a client tell me the same thing. Oh, you don't really need to pay a, put a late fee in here, Wally, because we pay on time. Sure. Okay, we're going to leave that late fee in there. And what happened? Reached out to them one time. They were two months behind. I was like, yo, what's up? They were like, we didn't pay you? No, you didn't. Hence why I said we need to have a late fee to incentivize you to pay on time. Right? Why do you need incentive to pay on time? You get the services on time. We I, don't, like, I don't see people with low credit scores getting a discount. Never. Right? And to me, the system is kind of broke because if you have a low credit score, you always when you more. apply for something, you pay a higher interest rate yeah. because they say you're risky. Yep. But wait a minute. If I'm risky now and I have a low credit score, I probably can't afford the higher interest rate. But the person who has a great credit score and probably has more money, shouldn't they be paying a higher interest rate if you really think about it? Right. Because they can afford to pay a higher interest rate and they're less of a risk. Right. So, you know, whatever. That's a whole nother discussion. Just in case you missed it, Wally just said indemnify. If you don't know what that means, it means to secure against hurt, loss, or damage, and to make or to make compensation for incurred hurt, loss, or damage. That's something that comes up a lot, especially on the security Every contract. Side. Like Every contract. The clients indemnify. want us to say it's not their fault Liquidated if something damages. happens. Wait a minute. If you didn't mop the floor and something was sticky and somebody slipped and fell... Why am I going to say that you didn't do it? Why am I going to secure you against hurt from the claimant when you didn't mop the floor? I got a contract in front of me now I'm reviewing. And the, per, the, the, the institution wants us to indemnify them, even if they make a mistake, and they want us to indemnify them for their mistake, which could cause harm to our business or someone involved in the services between their business and mine. So I'm like, wait a minute. So if one of your people make a mistake and it's clearly your fault, you still want me to indemnify you for that and not hold you in any regards or any blame or fault or any responsibility financially or legally. Are you like, that is bananas. So yeah, mistake. Mistake that I made one time, 
not this year, but before, since we talk about mistakes, not reading a contract 100%, right? I even read the contracts from the merchant processes that we use for credit card processing. I'm reading two of them now for potentially working with us at another business. The nonsense that I see inside this contract, I'm like, I'm not signing this unless they make some amendments to it. Probably won't be able to use them because they're probably going to be like, I'm not changing it. Because most people probably get that agreement for merchant processing. They just go to the page, they sign it, they sign it, and they give it back so they can hurry up and get it activated so they can start taking credit cards. And what people don't understand, and maybe they do, and they, I don't know, everybody's a different perspective. When you put these grants and programs out for small businesses to apply for, we're small businesses for a reason. And when you say small business, that means probably 75, 80% to let's say 85% of the time, the owners, the principals are involved in what is going on to apply for these grants or these programs. So let me just share some light for you. The more complicated you make it, the more time we spend on it. And then you reject us or you don't select us. That could have been time we were putting to our business that could have generated some revenue or other clients or some type of other business opportunity. So I'm not knocking you, but just take it into consideration when you create these applications. So there's, your, there's another mistake. So with respect to contracts, I know it's easy to go online and Google and download something. I strongly Don't. encourage you to get wise legal counsel. Pay a lawyer to at least draft something that you can use over and over again as a template, as opposed to getting something boilerplate off the internet. Um, and get a, a lawyer, a good lawyer, number one. Don't get my cousin Vinny. Like, don't just get somebody because they're inexpensive because you could get somebody's divorce lawyer and they don't know anything about business law or contract law and you end up shooting yourself in the foot, right? Don't shoot yourself in the pinky toe. Get a real lawyer, revive, uh, have your own boilerplate contracts because if someone comes to you with a contract, nine times don't take out that of contract. 10, they're going to slam That's another mistake you can learn from favor you, at a minimum if somebody gives you their boilerplate contract don't take it make one to three changes three, one to three at least don't take it and at it, least. it starts with this if somebody or, ha, approaches you to provide them with a service once you give them the quote and they said they're ready to move forward don't ask them do you have an agreement you like to use or you typically use no you send them your agreement and you make sure your agreement protects you as well as them. You don't want to take advantage of anybody. It should be a give and take in the relationship. It should be fair. But at the same time, you need to protect your best interests and you want to make sure you protect their interests too. You don't want to take advantage of anybody. But don't take their agreement and start with that because probably nine out of 10 times, and I'm just throwing this number out there, they're going to write that it's agreement. nine out of 10. Yeah, whatever. Let's mm -hmm. go with 10 out of 10 times. How about that one? Okay. People say that a lot. No, 10 out of 10 times. That agreement, they're going to send you that contract, whatever word we want to use. They're going to put language in there to protect them. I've seen it numerous times. I do not accept anybody else's contract when we're doing work now. They're like, okay, we want to move forward. I'll be like, okay, I'll send you the agreement. And that agreement, use one agreement like Johnson said, have it written by a professional who's familiar with your industry. And then... As you use it over and over and you get feedback when you go into negotiations with your potential clients or your current clients who have signed it, 
make note of the things they say that benefit them that and things that you're saying that benefit you and you keep adjusting that template you got originally from your prof legal professional and let that become your boilerplate over time. And then over time, when you make a mistake and you be like, damn, I should have put a late fee in that contract or I should have made the late fee this much or I should have put a clause in there that talks about force majeure or, you know, what is it? Uh, acts of God or natural disasters, COVID. Like nobody knew that was coming, right? So maybe, but you put that, you put these things in there and you learn over time. So with this client, you learned you should have put this in it. So now you add it to your boilerplate. So when you present it to the next one, you cut your bases of covet. And then your boilerplate contract keeps growing and growing and becoming better and better every time you use it. Versus some people who just use it, they save it on their desktop or they put it in their download folder or is it attached to an email and then they bring that back up later and be like, oh, I'll use the one from that client from so-and-so. And then they got to read through it and make red lines and make changes and then you're losing that way. One, you're unorganized and you're just pulling stuff from everywhere. Put it in one folder, Google Drive, a folder on your desktop. I don't know, buy a hard drive, buy a flash drive, an external drive. Save it there and use the Describe. same one over and over. Describe. And then the one you use for every client, you save that separately also. And that way you have something to refer to over time. That's my tip. So two quick follow-ups on that. Number one, have your contract before you need it. Um, the worst thing is to have somebody contact you for a business opportunity and you're like, oh, I'll get the contract back to you next week. No, speed moves. I mean, speed wins yeah. in this business game. So if you're not prepared, you're going to miss that opportunity or you're not going to look as professional, as polished um, as that go-to vendor, contractor, provider to that potential. Client. Here's a better one for you. Don't, don't use Word document. And people be like, oh, track changes and all that. Bump that. Get some kind of e-sign document software to send your agreements back and forth. And if they want to make changes, it's all tracked either in the side. They have a little area where you can make comments on that. And that way you're familiar. I've seen hundreds of times where someone uses Word documents or they use a PDF and you send it, they send it. And after a while, you know what happens? You get document fatigue. You're going to get tired of reading it and you're going to be like, oh, they made the change or they made the change in one, and then when they sent you the next version, they put it back. And you didn't see it, so then when you sign originals, you're like, oh, shit, it's there. Or maybe by accident, somebody emailed the wrong version back and forth because it's going back, and, it, and then that version didn't come, and you didn't read that part again. Because, like, let's be clear. It's a 15, 20-page agreement. You don't want to keep, and I'm talking about 15, 20 pages, double-sided in two columns. In size eight, nine eight, font, font right. right? You don't want to keep reading. You, 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 you're going to get document fatigue from reading it over and over and over. And sooner or later, something's going to slip by you. And the other thing is use electronic version so you could track it. And the other thing is don't be the only one that reads it. Have one, somebody else on your team. You read it, have somebody else reading at the same time because they're going to catch something you don't catch and vice versa. And when you're reading it at two, one o'clock in the morning, because you know, you got to get it done. You ain't going to get it all. Because you, your eyes are going to be closing, you're going to be dozing, you're going to forget what paragraph you was reading last anyway. So more than one person and use electronic document signing software. And if they balk at you and be like, oh, like, you know, I'd rather use a word, or can you just fax it to me? Bro, tell them, yeah, I'm going to east. I'm gonna send it to you, and you can download it and print it out from that e-sign document. There you go. Well, real talk, one quick example. Um, we are currently doing business with a construction company, and we had, I was on a, a call, a training call that they offered a few years ago. And the, the project manager was like, 
people are in such a rush to send him quotes that they don't read all of Copy the, paste. the contract documents, nor do they ask any questions before they submit their quote. And he said, you know, you'll get the you'll win the work based on the number that you got, but you have these things that you haven't really addressed. And then you start doing the work and then you're you're mad because it's like, oh, I didn't realize realize there was oh, I have to supply. Oh, I have to supply PPEs. Like that's more expense. Cause you didn't factor it in a bit. Right. And then he's like, you never asked those questions. Now, granted, it might seem inconvenient to ask the questions. If you don't ask the question up front, you'll probably find that you've made a mistake down the road. So Avail yourself of the opportunity to ask questions, look over the contract, have somebody else look over the contract. The same thing with the RFP, the pre-proposal documents, if you have access to that, or if it's a product that you're selling, the specs, the specifications, any little inkling of something that you're not certain about, make sure you ask those questions up front, that you capture those questions in writing so that you can get a written response because you don't want to be committed to something and you don't have the full scope of information that's available. Yep. Yep. What else do you have to add? That that's it for my mistakes. So we were supposed to be talking about mistakes, but really, well, we that ended, was we, we talked about. Ended up talking about contracts. Well, because we've made mistakes on contracts, and then over time, I've learned those things over the years about dealing with individuals, whether it's in any of the businesses we have. That and the contracts are important. Like you need to have some. You need to have some kind of written agreement. You providing a service to somebody, I don't care if you put it on one page and it's three paragraphs. There should be something that both parties can refer back to you. Been there, done it, did a handshake deal with someone, talk about mistakes. And then as the relationship evolved, like they were like, oh, Wally, like let's do this. And let's, I'm like, hold on, time out. We agreed that I was going to pay this price for these services. Like why am I seeing on my invoice now like charge, charge, charging me for like – I, I'm breathing air every time I go into their shop to check on something. I'm like, wait a minute. Or I go to do a site visit to make sure the product is getting prepared the way we want. And I see a site visit. I'm like, whoa, where, where did that come from? Our agreement was you create, you do X product for us in this time frame at this price. So I don't care. One page, it's an email, it's a text message. Have something in writing that's sent between you and the other party or parties that everybody can refer back to. If there's ever some kind of question or disagreement or you need clarity and be like, wait a minute, we said on X, Y, and Z day that this is what it would be. And then everybody would be like, respect. Yep. And that's be what firm. we said. If you don't have that signed written agreement, even if it's on the back of a napkin, don't do the work. Yeah. You're doing more harm than you are good when you do that. Don't, and don't be scared to do say no. The work. Like I've been there. Work comes in. You're like you. You're so amped to do it, and you just be like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm going to do that. Like, let's let's agree to do this." And then the client says something else, and you you're so happy and excited to get to work. You're like, "Okay, yeah, we could do that." And then they say something else, and you're like, "Yeah, we could do that too." And I'm not saying don't push yourself to try new things so you can expand, but you don't want to be a yes person. And then later on, you look back, and those things they ask you cost you more, and now your profit margin is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And before you know it. You're doing work for somebody and you're not making any money on it. You're paying them to do the work. You're pay as, exactly. You're paying them for it. So sometimes don't be so quick to say yes. It's okay if you say, hmm, let me go back and think about it. Let me go talk to my team or let me re-crunch the numbers. And it, the other thing is to say no. There's nothing wrong with saying no. There's plenty of projects that we said no to that I've said no to in the past. And he guess what? No. They came back. They, the projects came back with better terms. Because when it was first pitched to us, I was like, nah, 
Like, I'm interested, but I had somebody pitch some work. They were like, oh, for the soapbox, you could work with us. You know, we have this, this, we have these, these luxury buildings we want you to work with us. And you could provide the service for all of our residents there for laundry, dry cleaning, sneaker cleaning, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. Like, you know, what's, what's the catch? Like, cause you're not just approaching me to say, I want you to do it. So I'm like, the way they were talking, I was like, there's something else. And they were like, oh yeah, you know, we work with you. We'll do this. Like you could do this with this type of service. And I'm like, okay, like what else? Like, is this a partnership or you just want me to provide the service so your residents have a great amount of garment care services in the building. You're providing them with more amenities so they can choose from. So it makes your property look better. So what was the punchline? Dude was like, oh, like you have, we, we get 15 or 10% of your gross sales of everything you do. And I was just like, you want 10 to 15% of my gross sales. Not one time. Ongoing basis. Into perpetuity. Exactly. Mr. Wonderful. Perpetuity. Because you're introducing me to all the residents. It's no guarantee all the residents are even going to use our service. And don't we already have residents from and, that building? And, and that was going to be my last point. There was already people in these in this particular property already using our service who we acquired through our marketing or through word of mouth or what have you. Or they seeing our drivers coming in and out of the building or whatever, and they see the pink bags sitting in the lobby waiting for somebody to pick them up. And then they reach out to us. So I said no. And there was a lot of there was a lot of residents in this building. A, a lot. A lot. A lot. Like we're talking about high triple digits. Not residents, units. I'm talking about high triple digit units. So that's not the amount of people in the building. Because in an apartment, we all know. It could be one person living there. It could be, you know, five, six, seven, eight. It could be a whole family. Who knows? Yep. But I said no, because that didn't fit for what we're, that didn't fit our model, period. So. Say no. As Don't be afraid to say no. you are winding down 2020 and thinking about the success and planning for success in 2021, really revisit some of the mistakes that you made and think about these two quotes. Henry Ford once said, even a mistake may turn out to be the one thing necessary to a worthwhile achievement. I didn't move it. I didn't touch I'm it moving out. it so your audio will be on point. Okay. And then Steve Jobs once said, sometimes when you innovate, you make mistakes. It's best to admit them quickly and get on with improving your other innovations. You said it earlier, speed. Is it better to sit here and try and paint the perfect picture or build the perfect product? Or is it best to get it good launch it, get feedback from your target audience or whoever's using it, and then make adjustments off their feedback. And be fast with the adjustments because you don't want them to leave because of the pain points of getting on their nerves. If they say, listen, I like your software, but this, or I like your car because of this, or I like your headphones, but because of this. Fix that fast and then get that product back out to them. So my message for you for Speed. 2021. Speed. Don't focus on positive thinking. Focus on positive Acting, you may make mistakes, evaluate those mistakes, correct those mistakes, and keep it moving. And I am 100% confident that your 2021 has the ability to be much better than your 2020.